Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer by the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. Get it? And I am Vern Value. And we are 20-year... Get it? I don't... We are, uh, I don't get it, I'll tell you that. that. We okay. are 20-year Wall Street veterans who uh, go underground each week, take on secret identities to bring you our candid views of uh, Wall of uh, uh, Value Line's weekly stock picks. This week we're looking at the September 1st uh, edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, and uh, I'm going to be on at the back end of the show with uh, some drug distributors, and mainly that's what I found this week. They had a couple of other groups uh, that I didn't care for. Uh, there's probably some good ideas in precision instruments. I think we have reviewed some of those in the past. But I just focused on a couple this week in drug distribution. Um, and uh, so I'll be on uh, toward the end of the show. I also quickly want to give some disclosures. Uh, we may own all of these stocks and we may benefit in some way from uh, talking about them here. So be alert to that. Also, um, that's uh, why this is for entertainment purposes. Yeah, only. exactly. It's for entertainment purposes. Only, even if uh, only we ourselves are entertained. Uh, so, well, uh, I, I, professional pride means we're trying to pick stocks that'll do well. Well, absolutely, we are trying to do that, and we should put something like that up on the on the site. You know, we have a website www.thevalueguys.com where you can learn all about us, and uh, uh, we've got shows archived actually back to January one. So there's a lot of good information in there if you want to go check that out. Uh, but this week, I'd like to introduce my. Uh, a uh, secret uh, colleague uh, with a lot of exciting things to talk about this week, Vern Value. Bet you're chewing, though. Should yeah, I I'm, talk longer? Okay. It's just a little bit of chocolate. Okay. I have a, just get a little energy for the show. Weakness for, yeah, that's right. A little okay. sugar rush, maybe. Um, actually, you, I mean, you're being generous. I, don't, I didn't see that much in this week's issue. It was all that interesting, although they had a couple things that we've talked about in the past. I'm going to revisit. I didn't look that carefully this week. I want to be honest. Um, <clears throat> but I try. I, I really went through the, the precision interest instrument business carefully, trying to find something that a value guy could like. And it's really hard. Um, you're talking anywhere from, oh, like 20% to 100% premiums to market multiples with often erratic kind of performance and uh, no guarantees of growing through a recession or other I see a lot of stars know, in that section, downturn. so must mean uh, pretty good momentum. Uh, but group. I found one that looks really interesting. I'm not familiar with this company. GSI Group, it used to be GSI Lumonics. That sounds more familiar, but even at that, I it's just a name I've heard. I do not know it. The symbol is GSIG. Uh, value line, they must have recently picked up coverage. It says new June 06. They rated a 3, so they don't like it. And they've been right, I guess, since June because the stock's down about, well, more than 30% this year. According to Value Line, a little under $9 recently. Um, GSI Group develops, designs, and manufactures technology components, lasers, and laser based manufacturing systems for semiconductor electronics, medical, aero, and industrial. So, basically, for industry with an accent on where you really need precise stuff, lasers. So, semiconductor and um, electronics makes sense there so I'm sure it's very cyclical uh, foreign sales 60% I'll bet a big chunk of it used to be domestic and the market's been moving to Asia but I just see a lot of years where they didn't make any money um, well actually, or what's NMF mean not meaningful not meaningful I, I see uh, one year of negative cash flow 2002 
Um, well, six cents, eight cents. Earnings deficits from '99 through 2003. Yeah. So they didn't make any money their first five years. Um, they've made a little bit recently. They're apparently doing okay now. Um, backlogs up something like 50 percent, so that gives you a little increased visibility, I think. Value line saying free cash flow can be sustained at about 75 cents a share. So that puts the stock right now distressed at about 12 times that number. But um, I'm not sure. I mean, could that be the best that the company's capable of doing? I, I, I don't know. But they've got what looks like about $2 in excess cash on a balance sheet with no debt. Okay, so I don't see any real significant financial risk here. Now, or instead of the $2 of excess cash at the current stock price, I could buy about a quarter of the 25% of the outstanding shares right now. This uh, The stock under 9 is below the, I mean, the stock has always traded uh, at least to $11 plus in every year of its existence, uh, including earlier this year. So well, why is it so cheap? Um, you know, I'm not quite sure. I mean, there must be... The, the guy who's been the CEO for 18 years is leaving, and there's a new CEO. Could there be some taint of uh, option uh, Well, the returns or, aren't that great. No, but um, they, you know, they have been, what, they 13-2 and 3-2, 16, 8 per year value line saying they can sustain 8 for a couple years. I wonder where that extra return is. Maybe these guys uh, pay themselves too much. Uh, could be, I guess. Although he's um, new. Maybe the old chief was doing some bad stuff, and this new guy's going to turn it around. Franklin Resources owns 11%. Insiders own less than 5%. Fidelity owns 6%. I don't, um, it's incorporated in Canada. Maybe there's an issue on you know, the quality of the numbers. Um, hmm. Looks like something know. to look into. Looks very cheap. Um, you know, semiconductor equipment demand has come off of a peak short-term recently, and it may simply be that the rest of the sector, semiconductor equipment, not just precision instruments is, you know, maybe there are a lot of them are down that much. This thing's underperforming for two years. Um, yes, that's right. Well, in a, in a larger for sense, longer really, that, it's been yeah. in a downtrend since 2001. Um, anyway, this is the only thing I saw really looked uh, interesting. Value Line says it can sustain positive earnings, and it's about 10% uh, premium to book value right now, um, and has always done better. So, Anyway, GSI Group. GSI. The other two that uh, I want to look at are uh, ones that we've talked about before. First, the uh, the real value-oriented name here. I come back to, again, Goodyear Tire. Um, value Line lowered their number to a three in April of this year. Looks like a good call. I think we may have been recommending it above 13, uh, you know, as it came through rotation last time. It's a little under 12 right now, 40% discount to the market. Um, you know, operations stressed in a big way. Um, your uh, operating margin uh, hasn't been uh, at the. There, there was a time when the company did 12, 13 percent operating margins in the late 90s. They haven't seen 10 percent since. They're around 8 percent right now. They have a hideous amount of debt, 94 percent of book capital. Okay, um, and so that sort of punishes return on total capital. Yeah. Um, it stresses the you know any R, any return oriented measure is pretty low, um, but I'm what looking. What if you pull that out? What's the I'm return? looking at I'm looking at 2.2 billion of EBITDA, mm -hmm. uh, which compares with looks like my uh, fixed obligations are around 300 million. So I you know that's easily handled. Um, I've got a 2.1 billion dollar market cap. 
I've got six and a half billion of debt, but 1.8 billion of um, cash. So call it four point. What is that? Four point six billion. Add the 2.1. I'm at 6.7. Yeah. 6.8. I'm at 2.2 billion of EBITDA. Yeah. I'm three times. Yeah. So basically, the company is sort of priced like we. Gee, we wonder if it's going to survive. There's going to be all this lower well, cost capacity. Well, that's a 33 percent in cash Korea, on cash. et cetera. Right. And I'm saying there's you're you're you get paid pretty well to assume that risk with the the company that really has the brand. This is a name that you know still I think has. Well, Good reputation, generally good reputation with um, sales per share are not uh, going down. I see, uh, and um, you know, the, I think the company's getting better. A lot margins of margins are going up. About operating margin cutting. Well, and they've absorbed trend. hideous increases in rubber and energy costs. Um, and Probably going to get some price increases. Uh, you know, I, I and there's inflation I, in the news. Is, you know, tire when you're a value get investor, price. you have to be early and you have to be patient. And they're going to get good some price. Work. That's what I uh, on the other hand, you might be tempted to look at Cooper Tire, rated five by Value Line. They just dropped their rating. Um, it, it, to to that level, the stock's down fifty percent or something this year. This company's in no man's land. It's the eighth largest tire maker in the world, fourth in North America. So in a hmm. market where it's difficult to differentiate your product at all, it's largely a commodity. I think my uncle Bill is eleventh largest <laughs> right. in America. Yeah. So the balance sheet's in better shape here, but uh, I mean, come on. Um, so how about a pair trade? I'll short Cooper and Long. I'm going to be Long That's a good year. That's um, a nice one. Uh, and how then, come it um, says China on there? Uh, well, they, their numbers are being held up temporarily by uh, they bought into a uh, they bought a majority stake in a Chinese maker of truck and passenger tires, <laughs> which in the most recent quarter represented 96 percent of their year-to-year revenue growth. Ah. So not looking for that to continue at that rate anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the other name I want to come back to is Oshkosh Truck. Now, this, is, uh, this isn't quite as transparent in terms of a standard kind of value call. Where, But look, I mean, face it, Goodyear is a very distressed situation. And GSI Group is clearly uh, operates in very cyclical markets, sometimes short cycle markets. But yeah, i got to tell you, I actually, a uh, little Wall Street inside stuff here. I mm -hmm. spoke to the uh, CFO of this company uh, two weeks ago. Oh, really? Yes, I did. Well, it, They make fire trucks, right? We've been, we've been looking at this uh, recently ourselves. And, uh, yeah, they uh, they make fire trucks. They uh, Actually, there's a uh, major industry trade show coming up, and uh, they've been running a teaser campaign, much like they did uh, a couple years, three years, four years ago. They launched a uh, product in the concrete mixer industry, and they tried to uh, toy with the industry for a few months ahead of time about the big launch. And they're doing that again right now. <laughs> but um, they didn't actually do a launch, or what? No, they did. Oh. And they, they, it was a plastic uh, concrete mixer or something like that. But uh, So I don't know what they're going to do, but they've got something splashy coming in the fire truck business. That's really the story here. This company competes in a space. Uh, it's a combination of uh, vocational truck manufacturer and bodybuilder. Uh, at a scale that nobody else is anywhere well, near. Well, that's not the story. Um, what I got, it's not the story I got, my friend. Well, the, the, I got the story that Humvees, people are dying in them, and Oshkosh and Spartan and a couple other folks are involved in basically retooling the standard vehicle to carry soldiers without risk of being blown up. Huge service opportunity. The Oshkosh has done a great job of capturing a big piece of it, and by doing that, they built this infrastructure that they're now trying to leverage with some other, and what's going to happen is they're going to cash in on something that nobody's going to be expecting because they're not talking about everything they're working on. 
Right. There's a real good chance to see numbers go up here. In the meantime, valuation is not unreasonable, especially for quality growth stock. And you may be aware that in uh, 2007, there's a new uh, EPA standard that takes effect for diesel engine emissions. And uh, it's created a lot of excess demand this year, and it's going to create a downturn next year. But Oshkosh really has a, a very credible story about how they're going to be able to grow bottom line and top line through that. They did a couple acquisitions recently, still under leveraged balance sheet. Um, if they can sustain the growth through this short-term downturn, which carries the promise of much better business in 08 and 09 in front of a more onerous standard and that takes effect in 2010. Well, i got to tell you, during my conversation with these That's folks... That's really buttress their story, their credentials, if you will. What I was impressed with was their absolute focus on ROI. Uh, if you look at their record here, it's really phenomenal for what should be a somewhat cyclical company. They've managed to keep it not only positive, which is a challenge for many, but uh, double-digit. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's pretty impressive. People, have, um, people uh, uh, naturally question... That managements that do a lot of acquisitions should be pressed on whether they're getting value out of those deals. And mm -hmm. you know, it, what I think is impressive is the, the the way they've been able to improve returns consistently while they've been using you know cash. Well, it looks a little like ITW. They buy companies that can benefit from a lot of real easy cost-cutting moves. Like for example, our insurance is cheaper. Uh, our gasoline is cheaper, you know, a, a lot of simple things, and they spread that across shared raw materials and vendors and things, and, and it sounded to me like uh, at the price they pay, they may pay six or seven times, but uh, two, year, two years down the road when you get the synergies, they paid three times, and that they're, continues uh, to improve mm, their return. They're a, they're a leader in uh, defense truck products, and there's uh, major uh, uh, generational changes pending which should create significant revenue opportunities. In the meantime, you've basically worn out most of the fleet that's out there. And uh, so far, because of the uh, you know the rest of the cost of war, um, we haven't been able to spend enough to keep pace with the deterioration in that fleet. And that's going to be very important to make up at some point, especially when you're looking at a uh, more dispersed, smaller unit, more mobile armed forces footprint, which is what they've been driving towards. So... Um, company looks very strong in terms of defense prospects. As you mentioned, they have they have the franchise in the fire truck business, um, and they have uh, businesses servicing commercial markets like uh, garbage collection and concrete mixing. Some of those have some cyclical risks this coming year, but they really have underperformed in that business. They had a lot of problems with raw material costs and pricing and managing that. Uh, reputation took a hit for a while. They've uh, they've tightened up the execution there. They've gotten the returns back at a level that are at least respectable, and they should be far stronger next year and help them ride through this uh, decline in volume that we're going to see in 2007. So anyway, very high quality name that uh, we strongly recommend people take a look at. This is OSK is the symbol. I like so, that one too. Very high quality. I like that one. Uh, and that's that's all I that's saw all? this week, really, Val. Really? Yeah. Kind of a light week for you. Well, got to call them like you see them. Yeah, I guess so. If they don't have it, they don't have it. You That's can't right. force. You can't force the we value. Have, we have exacting standards here. Uh, Professional well, standards. Uh, given that it's mid-show. What's the GMC? Uh, the slogan is uh, professional grade, right? We really? are a professional grade. Clink. Clink. Okay, <laughs> I'm having a beverage. All right. Well, <clears throat> I'm not as purist as uh, as Vern, and so I've got a little. So you have more. No, I'm just no. I just have four to talk oh, about okay. this week or five. I don't know, a couple quick ones. 
But, uh, you know, I look at a couple of these things. The valuations don't look quite where I like them. But then I'm offset by one of my favorite things, which is demographic trends. You know, you hear all these pundits trying to predict things. And, you know, one of my rules of thumb is only predict things you're pretty sure are going to be right. And, you know, you can figure out how many 65-year-olds are going to be next year. People are always more impressed with the batting average than the number of at-bats. Yeah, I just guess a few things. And so one of them is demographics. So this week they're looking at medical devices. And it's wind at your back in terms of demographics, and so it's worth a look. Now, you know, a lot of people, your friends at a party, you know, they bought a certain biotech company that cures a disease or whatever. Well, that's great to talk about, but, you know, there's a lot of misses, and they don't tell you about that. I don't really understand product cycles or medicine, or nor can I read. No, I'm just kidding on that last one. But, uh, you know, it's hard to figure out which of these things is actually going to work, which is why I'm drawn to the distributors. You get a piece of everything. Uh, if one guy's device doesn't work and it's replaced by somebody else's, it's still a little spot on a truck to you. And so, uh, you know, these guys have optimized costs of moving a lot of stuff to our dispersed hospital and doctor's office uh, channel in America. There's really three big companies, Cardinal Health, McKesson, Amerisource, which used to be Amerisource Bergen, which used to be Bergen Brunswick and Amerisource joined up, etc. Anyway, these are the three big guys left. I think the three of them together have about 80% market share. And uh, the market really has not been kind to these guys. One of the reasons is uh, the way they used to earn money was uh, a little bit convoluted. In effect, uh, uh, you know, they were really taking stuff from the drug manufacturers and delivering it to hospitals and doctor's offices, but uh, really nobody nobody really paid them. They kind of... So there was a revenue recognition Well, there was issue? a revenue recognition issue where uh, the hospital would negotiate with the drug company at a price, and the distributor would carry the stuff over to the drug company and they would make money in two ways. One was a fee from the uh, drug company to sort of position it in a favorable way and I think the other was uh, for ongoing data about market share and things like that mm. to the hospital and uh, you know there were a couple of other things that went on that I'm not even as an analyst who covered the space I'm not sure I always completely understood uh, but what's come up is uh, oh and um, of course the other way they made money was they were very well aware of when price increases were coming from the drug manufacturers this is maybe the most important way they made money and uh, they would know that in advance they would buy a bunch of product in October knowing full well on January 1 it was going to get a price increase they would hoard that invest a bunch of money into inventory then when the price increase went up they would earn that and in some cases they never told you what that was but it could have been as much as a third or half of operating income in some cases. I mean, the fact is, it was never really disclosed uh, how that all shook out. Well, uh, with some of the, you know, focus on accounting, uh, this industry has to move to a fee-for-service model. So they have to uh, take a fee from drug companies for distributing their product, and it's got to be, you know, understood that 
that's for that service. And then they have to charge a fee to uh, hospitals and doctors' offices for access to information or whatever that is the service they want. The and they have to be clear about that. So uh, what's happened is the sort of invisible fee that allowed unbundling. unbundling uh, but it's 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 there was an invisible. Fee. This happened to the brokerage business as well. The fees used to be invisible and now they're visible. Uh, so it's happening here. And uh, all the stocks took a big hit in valuation as a result of that because there's a lot of uncertainty as if as if Merck didn't want their product delivered to hospitals. Uh, so there was a lot of uncertainty about the analysts that Cardinal Health might not get paid. Well, the the you know the power that Cardinal Health has is to say, guess what? None of our trucks are leaving today until we get paid. So your drug, Mr. Merck, isn't getting anywhere. Okay, so uh, since Merck makes 80% gross margins, they're real interested in Cardinal, you know, moving along. So actually, Merck was one of the first companies Cardinal worked out a fee-for-service arrangement, and that ended up becoming a little bit of a model. And then McKesson and Amerisource have sort of lined up. So the issue about returns have sort of cleared up. Um, well, and there was a lot of consolidation, too, wasn't there? Well, that's been going on forever, yeah, okay. but yeah, there has been. Good point. Um, but in any case, I mean, Cardinal started out as a food distributor in 1970, figured out you could make more money in this, and there was more wind at your back. But anyway, um, Cardinal is the winner of, of all these, these three companies. But I want to point out, the stocks are still largely down from where they you know, used to be. Cardinal Health, which used to trade at two times the market multiple, is now at a 14% premium. McKesson's at a 13% premium, and Amerisource at a 15% premium. Amerisource and Bergen Brunswick, the two companies that made that up used to trade at big discounts years ago uh, so they all trade about the same but in terms of returns on capital Cardinal's always been the dominant player they still are they're earning 14 percent McKesson 12 which is a lot of improvement for McKesson they've made tremendous strides and uh, Amerisource uh, around uh, nine which is actually a uh, quite a decline from what they used to do, and then part that could be due to the Bergen-Brunswick acquisition may probably overpaid for that. My point is, these aren't super cheap, but i got to recommend Cardinal Health right now. Uh, it's the best of the bunch in terms of returns, and you don't pay much of a premium. It's 12 times cash flow, which I might look at as an 8% yield. I noticed the long bond is 5. This is almost as certain as the long bond. I think people are going to want health care longer than the you know government may exist. I mean, you're never going to not want health care. So 8%, plus you get a little growth on that. Cardinal has demographics, 20 remember. demographics, uh, no product risk, no obsolescence risk, no foreign competitor risk, uh, and you get a little piece or an annuity of all medical products and pharmaceutical products. So uh, Cardinal Health, CAH, like it. And then I just have uh, two more. First one is one that uh, I own, uh, and uh, I'm going to table pound it here a little bit. It's called Kinetic Concepts, KCI. That's called a disclosure. Yeah, that's dis I'm disclosing that. <laughs> Kinetic Concepts. We've talked about it here before, so go back to the past uh, you know, date that corresponds to this group, and you'll hear some more you know, details. But basically, this company manufactures and markets advanced wound care, that's about 75% of their sales, and they have a record of healing wounds faster, getting people back to work faster, getting people out of the hospital. And in today's world, that's all about money savings to insurers. Um, the thing on the table last time we talked about it was there was a lawsuit 
against a competitor. Uh, Kinetic has about 70% market share in this category. There's a guy that has 7% market share. Kinetic was suing them for patent infringement, and this was on everybody's mind, and every analyst on the street assumed Kinetic, Kinetic was going to win. Then they were suing the smaller guy. They were suing the smaller guy for patent infringement. Well, what came out was sort of two verdicts of which Wall Street, I think, only heard one. The thing that Wall Street heard was that uh, this little company was not violating any uh, KCI patents, and then and then the stock proceeded to drop 40%. Well, while people were putting in their sell orders, the part they didn't hear was, however, the patent was upheld. They don't violate any of the patents, because not because the patents aren't valid and enforceable, it's because they simply don't use the same materials, so they're not going to be able to prevent them from selling it. Now, the good news on that, that again, Wall Street missed, is that if you look at the clinical data, uh, a, a doctor is not a doctor whose concern is patient care is simply not going to choose this other device over the kinetic device because the outcomes are all one-third as good in terms of how many days it takes to heal, how fast are you back to work, what are the risks of infection, those kinds of things. Also, Kinetic, it's here in the value line, they have 139 U.S. service centers. That means that they're within an hour of almost every major medical center in America with the right equipment and resources to support the devices that are in use in the hospital. And this other group has eight guys who sell through uh, distributors who sell a lot of things. Kinetic service centers are all uh, dedicated. So in, in terms of a care in the field, the other company can't compete uh, but Wall Street seemed to view this as a loss for Kinetic. Uh, Kinetic won the case, but the stock is still down. It's at, uh, it's actually been going up every day since the verdict was announced. It went from 40 to 24. It's around 30 today, but it's still 11 times earnings. I've talked to the CFO at length, and there's really no other product in the marketplace right now that can compete on a uh, outcome basis with this KCI product and a lot of their advertising to that effect they've kept under wraps because anything they said would have been usable in the trial and they simply haven't had their sales force out sending any message. They're now out in force showing doctors the benefits and weaknesses of their product versus the competitor. Uh, the other issue that's coming up is the street seems to think that Medicare now is going to have a competitive bid and now because the um, competitor is not violating patents Medicare may throw Kinetic in a competitive bid situation with this other product and heaven forbid they may force Kinetic's price down. Well uh, I've covered some of these stocks. Medicare does not tend to force price down. Uh, they tend to be happy that they can maintain flat prices in an area that you know has a lot of inflation in it. But worst case scenario, prices could be down 20%. If that happens, Kinetic simply, and I, they'll probably do this, walks from the Medicare business. They say, listen, Medicare, thanks for the opportunity. We don't want to be involved. Only 20% of their business is Medicare. Medicare patients can still choose to use this product, or more likely the doctors will recommend it. The way this product gets bought, hospitals buy it, and then they give a total price to the patient. This particular product, the Kinetic, makes up you know less than 20% of the total bill to the patient for the diseases and conditions that uh, this product treats. So uh, any serious savings by going to a competitor simply increases the chance the hospital won't be delivering best outcomes and they lose share and things like that. So uh, long story short, 
Kinetic is cheap. I think it's misunderstood. They're putting a product out that saves multiples of the price of the product in terms of you know work savings and and uh, you know getting people out of the hospital. Well, it, the numbers are huge. You've got big margins, big returns on capital. Well, sure, they're earning a 30% operating margin. They've got 30% uh, returns on capital, 45% return on equity with a little little teeny bit of debt. Uh, well, 40% no, debt. More than teeny but bit, that's but... the point. Their sales to assets are so high. Uh, they have 20% uh, growth rates in the U.S. and in in Europe. They've just signed a deal with a distributor in Europe that's uh, you know, trained medical folks and uh, you know I just think this thing is cheap as hell uh, now there's a risk Johnson and Johnson or somebody comes into the market that's the rumor out there but uh, the fact is there's no device even in medical trials right now so the soonest any competing device with competing outcomes could be in the marketplace is, is two years and that's if something is uh, applied for tomorrow so uh, you know and by then Kinetic's going to have their next generation of, of product. They're in the business right now of trying to diversify their product base. Well, they got more than a billion dollars in revenue. It's not a tiny little company. No, it's two billion market cap. Uh, they've got twenty dollars a share in revenue, stock at twenty-nine. Uh, they're trading at eleven times earnings on an operating earnings basis. Enterprise value, the EBITDA sort of approach. Got almost five hundred million dollars of EBITDA. Let's see here. Yeah, five times seventy plus depreciation. Yeah, it's cheap as hell. So kinetic KCI, and finally, um, I've got one that uh, I like. It's a little bit of a hybrid. Biomet B M E T. Value line rates this three. It's on page one ninety five. They're a little bit distributor, and they're a little bit manufacturer. Does that sound like the Osmond That's brothers? That's kind of catchy. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, I'm not going to sing in, for you. <laughs> um, anyway, Biomet designs, manufactures, and markets reconstructive and trauma devices, electrical bone growth stimulators, support devices, and operating room supplies. Uh, and uh, let's see, they have facilities in the U.S. and Great Britain, and they, I think, self-distribute a lot of this stuff. Maybe okay. that's what I'm thinking of. The street doesn't like it right now. They've lost some market share. Uh, they're having, uh, you know, some difficulty gaining share. They're their growth rates are a little less than the street would mm, like. The stock's been underperforming. For underperforming, like yeah. It's 15 times cash flow, so that's not super cheap. But what I like here is, in terms of return on capital, uh, they're earning in the you know mid 20s. They're just a 6% PE premium to the S&P 500. I know that the products they sell are going to benefit from demographics. No if, debt. Uh, no debt, and if they're not, you know, if the street doesn't like it right now, it's simply because there's absolutely, I mean, there's absolutely no expectations in the stock for any success in this area, and these products change, you know, there's something in the lab right now that could come out next year, or they're an acquisition candidate for someone, but, uh, you know, a 6% premium in the S&P 500, no debt, bone, let me just repeat this, bone uh, growth stimulators. I mean, my back hurts right now and I'm not that old. So I think there's going to be a lot of demand for their products. If they have some good luck, this thing's dirt cheap, no debt, so downside I, limited. I don't want to know what that product looks like. I think I'd have nice. It's on the website. You may take a look I, at it. I won't be doing uh, that. So anyway, this is Val. My favorite stock we've talked about is really Kinetic Concepts. Then I think Cardinal Health and Annuity on all healthcare expenditures at a real good price. Not as cheap as I'd like, but uh, relative to the risk, I think very attractive. And that's all I have this week, Vern. Over to you.
for a summary, I yeah, guess. Yeah, summary. Yeah, you're... absolutely. Close it out. Uh, okay. Well, we uh, we continue like Goodyear. Be patient. Uh, the story's getting better there. Uh, take a look at GSI Group. GSIG is the symbol. It looks very cheap. Uh, pure value basis. Uh, uh, maybe some cyclical risk, but... Uh, I mean, really cheap, right? Really it looks cheap, awfully good, know. but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you can't three tell. Three times EBITDA. And, it's um, GSI you got to do some work on, though. Oshkosh Who knows uh, what they're about? Yeah, there may be some. Of all those names, though, I like uh, I like Oshkosh. Oshkosh after Oshkosh, talking you like to the fire truck business. Well, no, I don't think it's the fire truck business. I think it's I think that gives you a nice base of safety. Mm -hmm. If this was just a fire truck company with that chart, I wouldn't be that interested. But this is Mata. These guys have this got a skunk works. We don't know what's in there. But I think it's going to save lives. Uh, they've got some technology. It's uh, yes, an inter interesting story. So uh, take care, everybody. Bye, everyone. This is Val. I was a little late with the goodbye, but I wanted to get my get the goodbye in. Okay. It's Fern. Bye. And bye again. This is Val.